Welcome, Gravediggers, to the Buried Sisters. This is your host, Irene, and I'm here with my sister, Kiki. Hey, everyone. And our producer, Lance. Hello. And today we're going to do part two of the Kansas City Butcher. So if you haven't listened to part one, please make sure to go back and listen to that. Before It'll make you this squirm. <laughs> it was so scary. Swab. Swab don't, the eye. Don't swab me swab anymore. It. No more swabbing. <laughs> All right, guys. So last time I left off uh, with, let's see, with Bob being arrested and he was about to give a full confession in exchange for life in prison uh, to the murders that he committed. So in exchange, he didn't want the death penalty. Right. So did, did I say something else? He, I don't think he mentioned life the death penalty. Prison. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Instead of the death penalty. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> How dare you? How dare I? So his confession was given on December 13th, and under oath, he confessed that this all began four years earlier. So this all started for him in 1984. All of his victims, which were were six victims, were actually uh, murdered, and one of them escaped, as we know from last episode. Um, but the six were all killed inside of his home on Charlotte Street. Um, with various methods. So his first victim, his name was Jerry Howell. And Jerry and Bob actually had a relationship for a couple of months before this all went down. So I wouldn't say they were boyfriend and girlfriend, but they definitely had a sexual relationship with each other for a few months. And Bob claims that he helped Jerry pay for an attorney for some reason. He needed it. He needed the attorney for one reason or another. But then I guess Jerry refused to pay him back. And so Bob kind of started getting torturing resentment. Him. Yeah, oh, started I just <laughs> started torturing him. A to Z. <laughs> wow. God. So Bob kind of saw, like started building resentment and eventually ran into him again because like they lost contact with each other. So on the fourth of July, actually, Bob picked him up. I guess he called him and said, Can you give me a ride home? Sure, no problem. He goes over to the club where Jerry's partying at, picks him up, and when Jerry gets in the car, Bob starts offering him alcohol and volume. So right. it's like a you know, like a downer. Sure. And so he, the guy's getting really messed up, and they're driving home, takes him to his house, and as soon as he gets in the door, he's giving him tranquilizers, just like, right. oh, that's yeah. like we heard before. Now, remember, this is his first victim that he actually kills so jerry passes out from the tranquilizers he wakes up and he's tied to the bed so very again reminiscent of Uh what we heard bob of course decides he's going to sodomize him and so he's sexually assaulting him um he uses a carrot he also uses a cucumber that he inserts in into his his rectum yep and he would just keep doing this to him he would keep assaulting him Uh, during the day bob would go to work like nothing happened and then return at night and continue the sexual assault he also decided that he was going to inject jerry with more tranquilizers and at some point jerry must have upset him or done something to just annoy him because he gets that metal rod that we discussed last time and he starts beating him with it and again this guy's just tied to the bed so he beats him so bad that Jerry ends up dying around 10 o'clock at night the next day. So he was wow. only alive for 
what, 24 hours? And I wonder if Bob was abusive with him in that, you know, in those oh, like, and they were, you know, had a relationship of some sort. And imagine not to the extent of, of this, because yeah. he called him for a ride. So, right. So Jerry calls him and asks, yeah. can you come pick me up? So right. it couldn't have been that horrendous, I imagine. But I, and we, I'm I guess sure I feel like know. Bob, with that resentment of Jerry owing him money, I'm sure he picked him up with an intent to do at least maybe not kill him, but at least to like torture right? him a little. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's probably like, you know, you owe me money. I'm resentful. Yeah. I'll pick you up and I'll show you what's up type thing. Right. Right. And especially because he was torturing other people before then with the Polaroids we have that. Oh, right? this isn't the first person he's tortured. I don't. This is just maybe the first person he's killed. Right. The first person he's killed. Okay. I, I wouldn't say the first he's tortured. No. Oh. And after he died, after Jerry died, Bob actually claims that he didn't expect for him to die. That, you know, he says, well, I think that he must have accidentally choked on his own vomit. Ooh. So he says, like, I guess, you know, Jerry had been injected with so many different yeah, things, tranquilizers right. and beaten and then just all these horrible things happened to you. So and drugs are taking volumes and who knows what. Yeah. And if he has done. a gag in his mouth because right. you got or oh, yeah. a pillow over sure. his head or whatever. Sure. And so Bob claims that he tried to resuscitate him, but it didn't work. And so after Jerry died, Bob decides he's going to drag his body down to the basement. So going from the second story of the house Jeez. to the first, down to the basement. And Bob lived by himself? Yes, by himself. So now he's sitting there with a dead body in his basement and he has to figure out a way to get rid of it. So what does he do? He takes Jerry's body. He's totally naked. He hangs him upside down by his feet. And he hangs him, I guess, from like a beam in the basement. <laughs> and he takes a huge cooking pot that he has in the house, puts it underneath where his head would be hanging. And he's going to prep the body to be dismembered. Jeez. So he takes his, so he takes his, uh, I think it's a boning knife and he makes incisions in his inner elbows and to his Come jugular. On. Oh, so he's cutting the inner elbows and Come his on. basically oh. his neck oh. and he's just letting all the blood drain out of him. Very he's, Dexter. Right. And again, very Willie Picton. We right? need to stop talking about Willie Picton. I know, though. but he's, I can't help but these... just go, wow. And so he I has know. this man's body hanging there. He lets it hang there overnight. And all all that blood is just pouring out. What's the out. point of like, can't they just like, does it, I mean, is there a point to draining a body? Is it easier for them to dispose of the body then? I mean, or? the mess, I would imagine. I've not done it myself. No, I but know. But I wonder like, why <laughs> don't you just go mess, dump right? it in the ocean or something? Well, because of the way he's going to get rid of it. Oh. He's going to dismember it. So that he's going to hack it, hack it up into pieces. It reminds me of that weird show on Netflix, You mm. or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. The knockoff Dexter. That guy creeped me out. <laughs> Ugh. He was all clammy. Ew. A little clammy. <laughs> Gross. He was. And moist. Ugh. And clammy. humid. So his body's left hanging overnight. All uh, all the blood um is drained from the body. And as this is happening, this makes Bob super excited. And he grabs his Polaroid and he's just snapping away. Investigators found a lot of pictures of Jerry's body. So he's body. not like regretting it. Like, oh shit, I just killed this guy. Oh, Doesn't panicking. Seem to he's be, like, oh damn, no. look at my art piece. I'm going to take pictures. Yeah, Ugh. pretty much. So the following day, he takes the body down. 
and uses kitchen knives um, and the chainsaw to start breaking it down and cutting it into smaller pieces. And so now after he's removed the arms and the legs and the head, he starts to cut them into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces to the point where he says, okay, how am I going to get rid of this body? I know. I have dogs. I'll take their dog food bags. Oh, my gosh. So he's got the dog food bags, and he's putting this guy's body that's now in teeny tiny pieces. He's stuffing the body into the dog food bags and sealing them back up and then wrapping those bags and other trash bags and newspapers and all sorts of other things. And basically, he just wraps them up very well and puts them out. And he got away with it. It goes on the land trash. Right. Right. And he waits until it's trash day. So if there's no smell. Exactly. So if pickup is Mondays, and he'll do it and set it out on Monday morning. It's going to be a heavy load of trash, though. I mean. Yeah, but that's probably why it's draining a bunch of different bags. Right, and draining it. But yeah, you're right. It's probably very heavy. Yeah. So he's got it. Like I said, he's got all- some overage fees from that trash company that week. <laughs> yeah, but he's residential, so they don't get overage. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Not in 1988. Why do we know this? Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's how he would dispose of the bodies. Um, since this was the first person they actually killed, he didn't log things in the journal. Um, this was something that he started to do about a week or two after this happened. And so who knows how accurate these notes are for the first victim, but um, but it is known that he started the journal after the fact for this one. As far as... Uh, this was his inspiration, obviously, for taking notes, because obviously something triggered him to be like, oh, damn, I should have yeah, I should have sure, written yeah. this down. And, like, I wish I remembered uh, maybe everything the kill, I did. Maybe the or, kill was what triggered that need to document everything well yeah i'm telling you it's i think it's very much a trophy and to be able to relive the moments Mm -hmm. and that's that's what that's what they get off on you know a lot of the serial killers they love it yeah they love it Uh, as far as the victim's clothes he also bagged them kind of just threw them away with along with the body right at some point his second victim was robert sheldon So Sheldon had stayed actually at Bob's house several times before. So what's scary to me about these victims is that he was friends with these people. Right. Right. The first man, he was in a relationship with him, at least a sexual one. Robert Sheldon, he had stayed at his house several times, not just once or twice. I mean, they were, they hung out, you know. He showed up to Bob's house on April 10th. And he asked him if he could stay over. I guess he was going through a rough patch. And in the past, Robert had paid him rent, actually. He wasn't just freeloading. He'd pay rent. Uh, But Bob says that he was, quote, an inconvenience to me. So even though he was paying rent, he, like, annoyed him. He inconvenienced him. And he had multiple bedrooms, right? Um, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a three-story house. It wasn't a mansion or anything like that. Right. It was just a large home. So, yeah, he definitely had the room. It's not like he had, like, a studio or something. No, he owned his own house. Right. And you can say no as well to letting someone stay with you. Like, Mm -hmm. don't kill them. Yeah, you don't have to kill them, dude. You don't have to kill them. And torture them. tell them to please leave. Yeah. Yeah. So he had been there for about two days. It's now April 12th. Bob came home and found Robert drunk. And for some reason, this just really annoyed him. This pissed him off. So for for Bob, he was like, okay, you're going to get drunk. Maybe it was his alcohol. Who knows? So he took this as, he saw it as an opportunity. 
it wasn't like he planned it. He didn't try to get him drunk on purpose, like with the right. first one, right? So he's like, oh, you're drunk already? Cool. I'm going to take out all my anger and all of my frustration that I feel towards the world and other people out on you just because it's easy. You're already halfway there. You're, you're already drunk, so might as well. Might as well take advantage of the situation. And so he did a lot of the same things to Robert uh, that he did to his first victim, to Jerry. He also this time added an injection of Drano into his left eye. Oh my gosh. Why? 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 I well, he wanted to blind him. I know. I'm not saying why (laughs) did he do it? Why are you telling me this? Because that's what happened. Freaking me out. But yeah, he wanted to permanently blind him, he says, to make him a better long-term captive. That's what he told police. That that his goal was to blind him so he can keep him there easily, you know, easier. So weird, like you said, that they were friends of a degree and like, how do you do that to someone you know and that you're friends with? And that I don't ugh. It, the, I, see. And you always look at things from these the killer's perspective, whereas I always see things from the victim's perspective is what I've gathered. Mm-hmm. And for me, it like puts fear in me because it's like, again, I said this in the last episode. I have friends that, you know, they're people's regulars, whether they're going to hook up or whatever, you know, or and, but they, they've established some trust. It makes me scared that it's like you really don't know. Someone can just really don't know. Right. You don't know. It's like not just the first meeting. Last episode, you were saying that, yeah, you just don't know who you're letting into your home. Right. In these vulnerable situations, Mm -hmm. especially because some of my friends are doing like hookups or whatever, you know, like I said, Tinder or Grindr or whatever. And yeah, they're they're like, oh, don't worry, girl. I'm fine. I've met, you know, I've been with this person a few times already. So it's not just the initial meeting that you need to be weary of or, you know, apprehensive about is that you should always have these exit strategies or let people know like, hey, I'm going to this place tonight. Even if it is the third or fourth or fifth meeting. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, you go missing. You should definitely make sure people know this is where they're going. This is where they're at. I know when I was dating way before I met my old ball and chain here, um, I always told my sister and, and best friends like, hey, I'm meeting this person tonight. It's at this public place. This is where I'm at. If you don't hear from me by this time. You should start to worry. Absolutely. And that's why we say what we say at the end. It's not only just like our, like our, our catchphrase, right, but, it's, but it's true. Like be paranoid. Right. right. Like and don't live watch in fear. Out but right. You need to have a plan. Be aware of what's going on. Yeah. And like you said, like have said, a plan. Let people know what you're head doing. head on a swivel and be alert. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could talk about that in itself for like God, so many a situations. whole episode, you know. So many situations. And so many things through. are, yeah, going through my mind of examples. But yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so this poor guy putting the Drano in his eye. Um, then he starts to, oh, I don't know why, this just like freaks me out so much. He starts inserting needles underneath his fingernails, oh. which, oh God, I can just imagine. It's like something you'd see in, like, I feel like those B list horror movies, like those cult classics. And like, f- you know like needles what? Needles underneath the fingernails. That is very interesting that you said that because his motivation. For this whole fucked up thing that he's doing of Mm -hmm. capturing, torturing, and then having these people as sex slaves comes from a movie that he saw when he was a teenager. Oh, there you go. And it's called The Collector. It came out in 1965. And I haven't seen it, but I kind of read up about it a little bit. Basically, the premise is that this man, he's a teacher and he abducts one of his students and he keeps her in the basement where he buys her like all this stuff like clothes and books. And he's trying to get her 
to fall in love with him or to but be with him of some sort. And where's she supposed to wear the clothes at if she's in the basement? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe uh, they could do like a fake date, date fashion, like show. Niles and, uh, and, and yeah, on the roof, the yeah. rooftop. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but this was a novel. They turned it into a movie, but he was obsessed with this whole idea of, you know, having someone captive. And he, he painted this dark fantasy in his mind of just having complete power over someone else. Right. And the complete control of, yeah, because I have here, yeah, the man in the film was driven again, same thing, by the need to capture a woman, keep her captive, and try to develop their relationship with her. Eventually, in the end, I don't know if you guys want me to give it away, but in the end, this woman actually dies. Spoiler alert. He decides. So the killer in the movie decides, oh, it was her fault she died. Like if she so no were more like I'm not going to take responsibility. Right. It was her. And that sounds like crazy Bob. Yeah. And in the movie, the killer figures out what he needs to do differently. So that way, when he captures the next woman, there's going to keep cat. So in the movie, he continues to do in the movie. He continues. Okay, and wow. so again, we see there's a lot of parallels that I mean, obviously that was his inspiration for doing this. So. So he confessed that. Obviously. Yeah. He confessed it. He said that the movie gave him a framework basically for like all these feelings that he was experiencing and how he was going to express them so to speak interesting creepy yeah very creepy so yeah definitely something you'd see in a movie because lance you're gonna watch the collector soon i am i uh i didn't know that there was uh an older one from 1965 i know the remake from i mean i didn't either but but it'd be really cool if you could watch it and then maybe we could do like a follow-up episode like a mini something you and the follow-up episodes I think it's interesting. Gala. Don't you think it's interesting? It scares me. That's the point. Perhaps. Anyway, Not really, yes, but I'm interested like to watch the movie. All right. So like I said, um, he is torturing this guy. Uh, he also decides to tie his wrists with piano wire. And the purpose of this is he was trying to cause permanent nerve damage to his hands. Oh, my God. So this, yeah, he didn't want just momentary torture. Oh, like no. He wants long-term effects. Oh, yes. Here's he was a thing with hands, too, right? I know. Yeah, hitting them with, like, the iron rod. Yeah. And then mm. needles underneath the fingertips. Needle, and yeah, right. I think, again, because your hands, you do so much with your hands. And, again, it's That's so debilitating. Taking away yeah, that power. Right, yeah, you're right. taking away the power, you're not just breaking, to, like, a, a finger. Not to say that that's okay, but it's your fucking no, hands. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Um, the last, one of the last things he did was he filled this guy's ears with caulking. You know, that, yeah, that, oh. Ugh. That stuff you use to fill in like drywall and stuff. Jeez. So he fills up his ears to re- so that way he wasn't able to hear very well. So he's just stripping this guy of his senses, so yeah. to speak, right? Yeah. Ugh. On April 14th, a roofer came to Bob's house. He was supposed to have some work done on the roof. And Bob just completely forgot that this guy was going to come and do the work. Oh, shit. And so he panics and he's like, oh, my gosh, I don't want him to hear. What if he hears like there's a guy tied right. up in the bedroom? And so in a, in a panic, he puts a bag over Robert's head, ties it with the rope again, and he suffocates him to death. And that was what he wanted to do, right? He Obviously, he wanted to kill him. He says that he was actually annoyed Jeez. that this had to happen because his goal wasn't necessarily to kill. His goal was to have someone captive and to have control over them complete control and to torture them as as long as he could okay so he wanted to prolong their suffering he wanted to keep them there as long as he could 
Jeez. That was what he what he said. So he didn't want to kill them necessarily. He so wanted he to just tell the roofer to go home. And he's like, I'm just going to kill this guy instead. Right. Yep. I wonder what his limit was then. Like, at what point does he say, this is as long as you can go? And now what? Right. Well, I think a lot of the times it was like the person just died, like, without him trying to kill Right. Them. I mean, eventually yeah, you, know? you put someone through I, so much. And I think that's why the journal came in also, not, you know, oh, to relive right. the fantasy. Yeah. But like you said, to, to see know how much oh, someone can take yeah. before. Right. Like, oh, shit, this guy died when like I gave said, him this it, many cc's of whatever, whatever. Yeah. Right. And so now it was, he was trying to, like, perfect his craft, so to speak, in how long he can keep them alive and torture yeah. them, I think. So uh, Robert dies, unfortunately, and he drags his body up to the third floor where he has the bathroom, like the bathtub, and he cuts up his body into little pieces and eventually he he gets rid of him the same way as his previous victim, cuts him up, puts him in the dog the Jeez. dog food bags. He probably saves all his dog food bags and he's I like, know. yeah. Uh, for this, the, the difference with this one is he actually kept Robert's head in the freezer Jeez. of his home for a few days and then eventually buried him in the backyard. Moving on with this confession of uh, the third victim he confessed to killing was Mark Wallace. Mark, a little bit different. He actually did some yard work for Bob at some point very briefly. And this is kind of, I think this is really weird, but it is what it is. Apparently, Bob found Mark hiding in his tool shed one night. Okay. During a thunderstorm. Um, was he, was, he, he not was just, have a home? I guess not. He was just trying to shelter himself from the storm. I don't know what made him think to go there, but he went and hid in the tool shed. Dude, you're in the wrong shed. Yeah, right. Bob invited him to come in and he accepted. When Mark entered the house, he was just super like depressed and also anxious. Again, he's hiding in the guy's shed yeah so I, I guess i get it and so bob offers to inject him with a sedative to calm Jeez. him down he's like hey i've got the sedative i know that you're really stressed and you're feeling down this will kind of relax you make you feel better so the poor guy's like okay fuck it why not so he he agrees to it he injects him and sure you guys know where the, where this is going God. he carries him up to the bedroom second second floor just like the others ties him to the bed and just like we heard earlier here you go kiki he takes the alligator clamps and clamps his nipples okay and it's nipple time <laughs> it's nipple time poor baby poor guy i know so sad and he starts electrocuting him Jeez. so this happens over and over uh he also I wonder then, if that really hurts, like, a lot. Oh, gosh, that sounds horrible. I know, but, like, you know when you go through, like, a Halloween maze? And, oh, like, you they the, have, and they you have, the Halloween like, props they have the mazes. walls, and you, like, touch the wall, and it zaps you, and you're like, ah, you know, is it like that? Because no. I did see that man electrocuting his You nipples. also got electrocuted when we were painting Oh, yeah, my maze. face. Yeah, that hurt. I had a big <laughs> on old, the cheek. It looked like a brown hickey on my cheek. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a bit more painful than I that. can sit there and say that I know what burning flesh smells like. I do. My my flesh was burnt. It was really anyway. Well, this so is from dramatic. a transformer. So this is energy being transferred to a person. So this isn't a Halloween maze that you're touching. This is not like a quick zap. This is like energy consistently going oh, yeah. to a point. Okay. Okay. From okay. one point to the other. Ouch. Yep. Bob then decides he's going to start inserting hypodermic needles. Come on. 
into Mark's back. So he's got him. And he's just. Jeez. It's like he's doing this fucked up version of acupuncture. This poor guy was just trying to like hide from the storm. I know. And then he thought he was getting a sedative to feel better. And he's just. Oh. Horrible. So sad. So unfortunately, Mark died. Well, other either fortunately or unfortunately, he died rather quickly. I guess it's better than being tortured for what a long part amount of time. Him, do you know? Yeah, they said that um, they claim it was a, a combination of all the sedatives because he just gave him so much Jeez. of everything. Also, there was a lack of oxygen, they believe, from the gag because he had him gagged while Jeez. doing the needles in his back and all the electrocution. That is so sad. Very, very, very sad. sad. And yeah, but he he died on June twenty third. So wow, that was his third one. Moving on to the fourth victim that Bob confessed to killing was James Ferris. Ferris also, he was an acquaintance. They were friends. They knew each other. Ferris calls up Bob one day and asks if he could stay at his house for a little while because he hit a rough patch. Bob's like, sure, you can stay over. No problem. So they agreed to meet up at a bar. And Bob goes to the bar, picks him up. What I thought was kind of weird, and I don't even know if this makes sense completely, but Bob in his confession said that this was the first victim that he intentionally wanted to torture. So the other ones he didn't want right. to torture? I, that's like, what I'm, I'm like, what do you mean, though? But you tortured so many other people. That's so strange. How does that even make sense? Perhaps like maybe his, like when he let the other guy, like let's say the guy that was doing yard work, maybe he really was going to let him stay there and he felt bad. And then all of a sudden he just was like, fuck it. I'm going to torture this guy. It's like you're right here and it works. Yeah, that might be you it. Know? Yeah. I don't or know. Or like the other guy that um that when he came home, he was already drunk. So he's like, oh, this is just not something like a fuck it. Like, eh, well, it's convenient. Like I've got nothing here. else the, better the other guy to was do. In his shed, but like, this one might be the one he was like, like, dude, please get a hobby. And I know. Don't make it this. <laughs> Not a good thing to do on on the weekend. Just torture yourself. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, right. If you want to inflict pain, put some needles underneath your fingertips and put electrocution on your wing and leave everybody alone. You and the wing. All right. So James, let's see where we live off. Oh yes. Okay. They were at the bar, like you said. He apparently this was the first victim he intentionally wanted to torture. As they returned to Bob's house, Bob puts tranquilizers in his food. So he spikes oh. his food with tranquilizer. I didn't know you can even tranquilize through food. I guess. It's good to know. <laughs> Uh-oh. Lance. Why is that good to know? Well, in this case, Lance makes me mad. Oh, my gosh. So uh, James passes out. He wakes up and he's tied to the bed, just like before the others. He uh, tortures James f- repeatedly for about 27 hours. Oh, my God. Yes. My goodness. And he repeatedly administers 7,700 volts of electric shock Jeez. to this poor man on his shoulders and testicles. And he would he Damn. would send these shocks and the shocks would last for like five minutes. Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't even imagine. Five minutes at a time. Like that's seriously, yeah. Horrifying. If you actually sit and think about it. It's insane. Horrifying. If that wasn't enough torture for you, he also grabbed his hypodermic needles that he used before. And he puts them in his neck and genitals as come on, well. Irene, come on. I didn't do it. I know, but you got to give me so many details. Hey, you know, that's is what happened. The poor man became delirious at some point because he's just in so much pain. And 
he's to the point where he, he he's losing he lost consciousness he doesn't know what's what bob is you know yelling at him telling him to say something Jeez. he can't say a word and the assaults continue and to the point where he couldn't even sit up for more than 10 seconds oh my and this was we know this because it was noted in bob's journal of one of the cause and effects yeah. of mm-hmm. what he was doing to him the journal also noted that he had very delayed breathing so oh so he i'm freaked out he was it was very Ugh. hard for him to take a breath and the final note on the, in the journal for this man was 86 yeah and so Poor it was guy. concluded that uh, this man died from an overdose or from the just the wrong combination of drugs because he did give him a lot of different kinds of drugs. Again, his body was cut up and placed on the curb just like the others. Jeez. And what a like on top of how horribly these people their final moments were, the final days, like that's your that's your send off and a you're chopped up in a dog oh, food gosh, bag. How you know, horrible. And, and, and now you're in, in the, the some landfill. landfill. Terrible. Did they ever recover, do you think? No. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. The landfills are so huge and yeah. That's sad. I thought sad he was going to families too that may want some to bury or you know have a proper yeah, goodbye for their loved ones and I thought he was going to feed the victims to his dogs or at least, you know. Would have been appropriate. It was my for his, yeah, thought process, but damn. Okay, the fifth victim was Todd Stoops. Todd was a known drug addict, also a prostitute that frequented the area, um, especially in the gay community. He... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, this is the man that went to the police and he told the police that he was suspicious of Bob. Oh, wow. That there was a missing... The and two he men still were hung missing, out with Bob? Right? But again... Think of it. He's a drug addict. Sometimes their minds aren't. I guess you know yeah, you're I not know, thinking clearly right. when you when you want your drug, you want your drug, and that's it. You sure. know, really, sure. you kind of have blinders on. So he did inform the police of him, um, and the, what I thought was the kind of jarring was that he was also he was married to a woman, mm-hmm. and so I didn't. I, I don't know why that like that's when so I read common. it, I was like, oh, yeah, wow. that's so common. Yeah, though. it is. Yeah, I don't know why. This you know, we me. have people that have told us about their expeditions yeah but todd actually knew bob in the past him and his wife actually had stayed with him for a time about two years before this happened so his wife knew bob he knew bob as well uh his last stay at bob's house was in june 1986 bob actually ran into todd randomly they were out and about ran into each other and he invited him over for lunch and he's like come over we'll have some lunch I'd also like to maybe have some sex and I'll pay you for it. And Todd was really desperate for money because he needed to get his drugs. Right. So he agreed. It's like, okay. Now he knew he shouldn't go over there. Police even warned him. They said, if you are suspicious that this man is somehow connected to these missing men and their disappearances, we strongly suggest that you don't go over there. Don't spend time with him again. Yeah, right. Which to all, of, I'm sure a lot of people, it's like common sense. Yeah, logic, but I mean. But again, you know, unfortunately, if you fall into maybe these patterns and you're an addict, you know, and I'm that sure compulsion just drives you. As soon as he's in Bob's grasp, he's probably like, oh, shit. Like right. I followed my gut. Right. Now, Bob actually admits that he was really sexually attracted to him. I don't know about the rest of them. He might have not even. Right. It might not even been a physical attraction. More of like the idea of the torture. Yeah, right. 
but for sure he was really attracted to him physically. Okay. He held him captive for two weeks. Wow. That is so sad. Yeah. Two weeks. Oh my gosh. A lot of repeated things. He injected him with uh, Drano. He put it right into his voice box again. He administered electric shocks. And this time, the electric shocks were through his eyelids. Oh, my God. And I just I just can't. I I don't I don't. I I can't. Um, Goes without saying that he sexually assaulted him over and over and over. And this is this was rough. At one point, he shoved his entire fist into Todd's rectum. Oh my god. And it was so violent and just so rough that he began to bleed very very heavily oh. um out of his yeah. out of his anus and yeah. it was indicative of a rupture. So oh my I'm pretty sure he ruptured some stuff. Yeah. 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 That's so And terrible. this caused him to develop a really really bad fever. God. So what what Jeez. what they believe is because the anal wall was most likely ruptured. That means that internal bleeding. Well, septic shock probably is what happened, Uh right? Because uh your feces are now going into your bodies and you know, I don't know if it's in the blood, but I mean, I'm not a doctor, but (sighs) that septic shock will, I mean, it's poison. You're poisoning yourself with your feces essentially. Yeah, that one was a rough one. Um, Bob says that he administered different kinds of antibiotics that were for the animals again because he had the dogs and he's trying to like, I guess, help them out. But Todd never recovers from this. Uh, fever's just horrible. Like I said, he's bleeding. He's in pain. Bob, oh, here you go with the food, Kiki. Bob says that he tried to feed him ice cream and soup. Gee, how nice. Jeez, yeah, thanks what for a nice guy. My rectum, but yeah, thanks for the ice what cream. What a pal. Um, but he, Jeez. Todd was unable to keep it down. There's just no way. That's so sad. I yeah. honestly just feel so terrible. It was right now. so sad. He, it got to the point where he couldn't even breathe. If he was like in a sitting position, he wasn't even able to breathe effectively. And all of his injuries, um, are what caused his death. And he ended up dying on July 1st. Jeez. That's so, and, so, so, yeah, so sad. Horrible. Bob, just like the others, he took him down to the basement and cut him up. Don't know why, but he actually stored his body in the basement for about a week before putting it out on the curb. So mm. I don't know if it was because maybe the trash day didn't align with oh, maybe. what was, you know, the day he, he died. That's the only thing I could think of is if he died on what, like a Monday right, and right. trash was I mean, that makes a, sense. Not yeah. that it would be on a Sunday, but you get what I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. And now on to our final victim that he killed victim number six larry pearson he met bob in the spring of 1987 and he met him uh during his occult shop not during but at his occult shop okay (laughs) sorry a lot of talking today yeah so he enters like the area his booth and he tells him i'm i'm kind of interested in witchcraft and the occult and all that and so they kind of hit it off he ends up living with Bob. So again, another person that yeah. stays with him. And they have this agreement that Larry will do chores and he'll let him stay there rent free. So great. Bob claims that he didn't he didn't intend to capture him. It just kind of happened. And 
to me, it's like, come on, man. Like, what the hell's wrong with you? You've killed like five, six people already. Yeah. So apparently one, one day Larry was arrested and he needed help getting bailed out of jail. So this is while he's living there. Right. So he calls Bob. Bob bails him out of jail. And as soon as they get home from that, he gets him drunk, injects him with a sedative, Mm. takes him down to the basement. And this was, I mean, obviously different than the bed. He ties his hands together above his head. Okay. And he attaches them to some sort of beam. Probably where he was draining the body. Yeah, Yeah, right, right. At this point, he injected his throat with drain cleaner. And what he says about Larry is that he was much more cooperative than all the other men that he did this to. Larry's I think like, he yeah, was go just, ahead. Yeah, just sure, inject dude. me with Drano. Sure. Cool. Can I have another? I mean, yeah, I think I, what does that mean? More cooperative. You I know don't what I mean? Know. That's like, yeah, not- that's what I'm saying. Like how your your body, I think, would just naturally fight against that. I think it's just a natural right. instinct. Right, right. But I guess what he means is that he just didn't have to. Maybe didn't have the fight. Yeah, the fight. Right. Yeah, because Bob did claim in his confession that he didn't have to use as much, quote, discipline on him. Hmm. He brought the transformer down into the basement, as we know he loves playing with that thing. And again, repeatedly giving him electric shocks. Jeez. Also, he brings down the iron rod and, oh God, I don't know why this just like freaks me out. All of it freaks me out, but... He hits him so hard in the hands that he breaks all the bones in his oh hands. My gosh. This guy's awake. I mean, yeah, terrible. A, just because it's a sedative doesn't mean it's it's not making him numb, you yeah, know? Right. It's not a painkiller. Yeah. But the poor guy, he's just trying not to rock the boat. Eventually, so he earns Bob's trust because he just doesn't fight back. He just takes it. Cause he's probably thinking, what else am I gonna do? There's nothing left for me to do. Right. So he just takes it. And so since he earned his trust, Bob says to him, oh, well, now you're being like promoted. I'm going to take you up to the bedroom, to the second floor, instead of being down to the basement. This is your reward. So he takes him up there and ties him to the bed. Well, Larry realizes that this guy's obviously is crazy. I they were friends before I know. I, that's like trips me out. But yeah, so but still, he's... right. It's Right. So he's, like I said, not fighting back. He's um, tied to the bed. And he, he actually gets to the point where he's trained himself, Larry, to not move at all when he's sleeping. Because even though he's tied up, he noticed that if he's moving around, he makes noise, which pisses off Bob. Wow. And makes him come up to the room that he's tied tied up in and discipline him for making noise. Wow. So he Jeez. would he literally trained himself to not move a muscle when he would fall asleep. Do you think that was just like a survival tactic, like playing dead sort of a thing? Oh, m- maybe. I don't know. Because he ended up being, I mean, he ended up yeah. dying, right? So we right. don't know exactly what he did. But it might. it sounds like he just kind of maybe gave up. I've heard about that before. A lot of people do that in similar situations or worse situations. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that's definitely a good I'm point. It could he be. just gave in and his body just kind of went on those reserves to stay alive. Right. But, I mean, yeah, I yeah. I would, wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, he was, he was doing everything he could to cooperate and not anger Bob. So Bob keeps him as a sex slave for around... Six weeks. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Six weeks laying there, your hands are broken. 
this this fool's injecting yeah, you with right. all this horrible stuff, Your electrocuting you. And, yeah. I oh. mean, h- how can you survive six weeks like that? Absolutely. It's just horrible. So one day Larry just couldn't take it anymore. And as Bob was making him perform oral sex on him, he he bites down on his penis yeah. as hard as he could. Like as hard as he could. Right. And that was it for him. Huh? Bob just, of course, freaks out. He's like, you know, so I'm sure yeah. says some choice words. He grabs the iron rod and he just beats him to death. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. So sad. He starts beating him and beating him. I'm, actually, he beats him into unconsciousness first. Then he grabs a tree limb. And I'm like, where did you find the tree limb? Did you go outside right, and pick yeah. it off a tree? Like, hold on. Yeah. Stay, I need something stay else put. here. Stay put. Yeah. What I think happened is because he went to the hospital from the injuries. I think that he beat him with the iron rod, drove himself to the hospital because of what happened to his penis. Right. Then I think on his way back to this house, maybe he sees the tree limb on the, you know, on the front lawn or whatever, picks it up and then finishes the job and he he bludgeons him to death. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, It's so weird. Like, why? Change the object too. Like, I, yeah, that's what? what I'm saying. It's weird. Metal rod. Hmm, no. So here, you know, when he returned, he moves his body to the basement. Same thing, dismembers his body and he keeps his head. That's the skull they found in the closet? He actually, the this one's in the backyard. The yeah. first one that we talked about that was in the backyard at, um, initially, yeah. then he dug it up and put it in the closet. Okay. So this is the second head that he's now burying in the backyard because wow. the first one has been moved to the closet. And does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one is the one that was that busted him. So the seventh victim that did wow. not die, the only one that survived was Chris Bryson, which he had picked up on March 29th, 1988. It was at 1 a.m. Picked him up for sex. And as we know, he's the only one that escaped with his life by freeing himself, jumping out the window, and getting help. Wow. So those are all of the victims. Jeez, it's so brutal. I just can't believe. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Just a few facts uh, before we end about Bob. Uh, When police interviewed neighbors, they all thought of him as a friendly guy. He was quiet. He was in a lot of like different. He was involved in a lot of things as far as like crime watch. And he would help people around the neighborhood and he would help a lot of troubled young men, kind of like we said before. Might have been in the first episode of this part one. But yeah, he would act like kind of like a foster dad to a lot yeah. of like runaways, drug addicts, prostitutes that needed assistance. And so they didn't really think much of it that other than he was just a helpful guy. Right. Uh, like we said, also, Todd Stoops, one of his victims, had reported him to police. And he was actually investigated in 1985, which was three years before he was caught. And I don't know how long he was doing this for? It was I think no, it was I can't like, believe it. Was oh, like, yeah, I just say I can't oh, for believe. how long it lasted? Yeah, yeah. Right. it's crazy yeah. to me. Well, a lot of the people didn't want to go to the police because they were either doing things like illegal activities, right. whether they were sex workers or doing drugs, right? Or they had maybe a deal with him. Or yeah, I don't think they just wanted any attention yeah. to you but know. Still, that's a tough thing. To and if it was like a homosexual issue, again, at the time, the 80s, they weren't, you yeah. know. They do not have the rights that they that people do today. They're just right. yeah. There's a so huge stigma with AIDS, homosexuality, drugs, and all that kind of stuff. Way harsher back then than yeah. Yes. Today. So during that investigation, police had to actually drop 
dropped the investigation because they just didn't have enough evidence um, against him. They didn't have any any leads even to corroborate what Todd Stoops was saying. So they had to kind of And Todd Stoops ended it. up dying. Uh, yeah, he ended at up his, dying. At, at Bob's yeah. hand. Yeah. When they asked Bob about these missing men, he would say, yeah, I know who they are, but I don't know what happened. I didn't do anything to them. I you didn't happen to know disappear. all the men that went missing? Well, there was but... two that they oh, okay. you know, asked him about. Right, right, okay. Yeah. Um, and last piece here, just a little background. He was actually raised a Catholic by his family. Um, he was born in Ohio in 49. And growing up, he knew that he was gay from a very young age, but he never told anybody until he was an adult. Again, I'm sure that's the Catholicism, very strict and parents, the, time, the religion, yeah. the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Teachers reported that he was a good student, but he was kind of hard to teach because he was picked on a lot. So he'd kind of like regress within himself. He was um, a little overweight. He was really nearsighted. So he wore these huge, like thick Coke bottle glasses. Mm -hmm. And so he got he got picked on a lot. I mean, so did I, but I ain't torturing no one. I know. Just me. Well, <laughs> yeah. And me, actually. Well, <laughs> His dad sometimes would physically and emotionally abuse him. Um, There's the trigger. Yeah, right. He also would compare him a lot to his younger brother. So his younger brother was quite the opposite. He was really athletic and real quick with everything. Yeah. And his dad was a huge, huge fan of sports. And so he'd always praise the little brother yeah, and right. how wonderful he was. And look how awesome and athletic and this right. and that. But you, you're just this artsy, weird fatso. Yeah. Who, you know, why don't you do this and that? So he was put down a lot by his dad. And um, at when he was 16 years old, his father actually died from a heart attack on Christmas Day. Oh, so even though his dad might have been cruel to him in, in a sense of you're not as good as your brother, mm -hmm. this really took a toll on Bob. Still his father. Yeah. Right. He was devastated when his dad died. And fun he, fact oh, uh -huh. that he died of a heart attack as well mm -hmm. yeah. in prison. Oh. So that was kind of interesting um, how they he, both did. Did he have a relationship with his mom? Does it say? Um, I mean, he, it was just a normal. Yeah, just whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about when he was older, if that relationship stayed strong or anything. I, I don't think it did because his mom remarried really fast like right okay. after his dad died and so he had a lot of resentment build up towards her and I how she could do that wonder what the families must think once they find out the details of what you know bob right. did you know i can't oh you know, there's this show on discovery plus that actually interviews people who like like you just said like their brothers or their mother right talk about what their family members did it's very interesting yeah, and if to they look saw it, it coming i'm sure there's different kinds of yeah situations. i just saw the one with like, like the arsonist and i think it was like chicago i don't know it was somewhere yeah. but he killed people on accident and it's yeah, just it's really sad to yeah, the families are so impacted because they don't you don't expect your loved one to end and it up follows you and it's part of you now you know like, yeah absolutely part of your story yeah so yeah, um, that's pretty much it. He moved to Kansas City in '67 to attend uh, the Art Institute, which oh lord, torturing animals. What he did there? Yeah, tortured and killed animals. He, yeah, sick and man. Other than that, yeah, professor uh, helped get him kind of kicked out of school. He wanted to be an art professor, but instead became a chef, and he owned, like we said, his oddity store. Why and do we call him the butcher? Is it because he butchered the body, disassembled the bodies? Yes. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's exactly Got it. Because he butchered the bodies, dismembered them. Right. But yeah, um, that's it. That is 
our Kansas City butcher. Well, hopefully you all weren't squirming as much as I was. I'm literally, I feel like I have red marks over my face. I've been like squeezing my face the whole time. <laughs> like and like your poor face. I've had to try to check out a few times because I've been so freaked out. <laughs> but uh, we hope you all enjoy it. And thank you, Irene, for doing all that meticulous research and oh, my diving pleasure. into this story for two weeks. I don't sleep much, but it's I okay. don't blame you now. <laughs> Jeez. Now, every time I see like dog food bags, I'm just going to like cringe. I'm going to like chase you out the house after this with uh, Charles. Oh, no. Charles is my adorable beagle, by the way, who is amazing. Anyway, uh, thank you. And thank you to our producer, Lance. And uh, thank you to our grave diggers for listening. And And if you made it through both episodes of uh, this crazy guy, thank you guys. We really do appreciate it. And uh, don't forget, grave diggers, to stay paranoid or be buried. Ha, 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 ha. Ha, ha. (laughs) once again thanks for listening grave diggers don't forget to rate and review the buried sisters on apple podcasts and don't forget to follow us at facebook.com backslash the buried sisters and on instagram at the buried sisters dig you later